Welcome to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I want to share a thought with you and actually a quote. It reads as follows. We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There are some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Martin Luther King Jr. So before we begin today's episode, and it's going to be a really great conversation, I just want to let my enemies know that I forgive them, for they know not what they did. It was good that I was afflicted, so I can learn God's decrees. Every time an enemy has ever come up against me, I've only risen higher. And so for that, I thank you. And it's very fitting that on today's episode, we talk about the principles of survival. Because once you know how to survive, you can thrive. And that, my friends, is the true wealth. The true wealth isn't the millions and millions and going on different stages and talking about how much money you got and what you did and what you didn't do, right? It's really giving all the glory to God and knowing that this is not even your battle, it's God's, which means it's his victory, right? It's God's victory, not yours. And so on today's episode, we're going to talk about some of those principles of survival with our guest today. And you take good, good notes. Because on this episode, I reached another level of healing. And I'm able to start off the episode by forgiving my enemies. And actually, I should be thanking them. To be honest with you. Because I've seen a different level of blessings because of them. And so we begin today's episode as we always do. I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network. And welcome to Black Equity Podcast. We are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And I know on this episode, we're really going to dive into maybe a different way of viewing the world. And I love that. I love whenever we can look at things from a different perspective. Uh, Joining me on today's episode is Asia Carroll. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. For those who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself and any companies you may represent. Sure. So my name is Asia Carroll. I am the founder of Survivor Not By Chance. And Survivor Not By Chance is a business that I started um, to help 
individuals heal from trauma. And so I am a certified life coach. I am a spiritual advisor, spiritual reader. I am also an author and I'm a meditation consultant, Reiki practitioner, um, spiritual practitioner. I do a lot. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And hopefully I won't miss any of them. I want to be able to get into each one through the flow of the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, So you mentioned the podcast. How long have you uh, been operating the podcast and what sparked you starting it? My podcast, I started before I even started my business in 2019. And I started um, the podcast as a way for me to document my healing journey. Mm. And I was being very intentional about me healing from my childhood trauma. Okay. And so you were documenting your healing journey earlier. You were talking about um, you know, tackling trauma. What, do, what exactly are we defining as trauma from your perspective? So trauma can be a lot of different events that happen in your life. Any event that can cause any type of uh, disturbance in your spirit, I should say. Mm. Um, The reason I say that is because trauma looks different for everyone. Someone could be riding a bike and fall off the bike and they have a traumatic experience. Someone could, you know, witness domestic violence as a child in their home that is considered trauma. Um, There are so many different types of trauma. Um, It could be, um, you could have been a a war veteran or been in the military and you can experience trauma. Um, Trauma comes in many forms. You can be in a car accident and that can cause trauma. Okay, so if we take your definition, I really want to explore this. Sure. If we take your definition of basically a disturbance, could trauma be a good thing in some respects? Yes, it can be. Um, it's all about the individual person and mm. how they view the trauma. So, for example, um, for me, I use my childhood trauma experiences to help help other people heal from childhood trauma. Gotcha. And so that's why it can be viewed as a good thing if the individual person sees it as good. So what have you found as you've been uh, podcasting, speaking with different individuals about their journey? Have you seen any type of common um, patterns that you've noticed through your journey? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, There are a lot of people who have experienced childhood trauma, um, especially in my generation. I was born in the 80s. Um, There were a lot of different uh, practices that our family believed in in regards to um, how we should be disciplined in the schools, how the schools discipline our black and brown students. Um, And so I noticed a lot of the trauma come from childhood. Mm. And a lot of people don't realize that. And so when they go into relationships as a whole, they automatically assume that their relationships are healthy, but they have toxic traits from their childhood trauma. Mm. And so what do you do if, if you're able to help us out there? What do you do when you find that, okay, this thing that happened in my childhood um, is still inside of me? What do you do to combat that? So I suggest you seek therapy or spiritual um, healing. And with spiritual healing, from what I do, we go to the root cause of the problem. We go directly to what it is that triggered you to be who you are 
and a toxic trait. How do you heal those toxic traits? Looking at that little boy or little girl inside of you, remembering past uh, situations that may have happened and dealing with that hurt and that pain. And it's, it's, a, it's a hard, hard thing to do. Why was this something that stuck with you? I mean, one thing I believe in life is we kind of get to choose our own reality. Right. Uh, Not everybody agrees with that. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Okay. And so you chose this reality of helping people down their healing journey. Yes. Going through that healing process. Why did you choose this journey out of all the means of journeys uh, that you could have chose? I think I chose this journey before I came here Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I experienced so much trauma as a child. And I did something in 2019, I started to do my little healing journey, inner healing journey to rediscover who I was. Mm -hmm. And I took a um, survey. It's called the ACE study. Um, It's um, adverse childhood experience. And when I took that study, um, basically I, I realized who I was in my experiences. And then from there, I realized I experienced way more than I thought I experienced. And as a result, I was able to heal myself. Um, The highest score you can get is a 10. The higher your score, the worse off you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be a statistic per, you know, uh, Black Americans. You're supposed to have all these unnecessary things happening in your life. And as a result, I had a 10 out of 10, Mm. the worst score that you can get. And I realized I was suffering from trauma more than I I thought. And I knew I had to do something to heal. So I started to go inside myself. I started to write. I started the podcast to get out Mm. a lot of the things that I was experiencing and all of the pain that I, I experienced. And then from there, I was able to heal. So I know that I chose this before because I've helped women and men all over the world, literally with healing from reading my book, from coaching sessions, from spiritual readings, from so many different things that I do in regards to meditation and being intentional. So I I do want to talk about uh, your latest book that you released. Before we get to that, you mentioned uh, using the podcast as a way to get out um, uh, some of the things that were, you know, still inside you. And I think a lot of people are doing that, whether they know that or not. Yes. You know, podcasts, um, you know, becoming more and more, um, uh, familiar to the public. Uh, so how long into podcasting did you start realizing, wow, this is working as far as your own healing and, and dealing with your own self? I started to realize I was beginning to be more patient with myself and my children. Um, I started to begin um, loving myself more. Mm. I started to receive confidence that I never had before on a whole nother level. Mm. Um, I started believing in myself more than I did in the past. And I started to see the manifest into reality. Mm. And you mentioned that you recently. I'll publish the book. What's your latest book that you uh, published? So my book is The Pressures of Becoming a Diamond. Oh, I like that. Thank you. And I created this book um, just to show part of what 
black children go through in um, America, really, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and show my experience and show what I went through and show how I was able to go through those things and still become a well-known author, a well-known speaker to help other people heal. You know, you don't have to be what people say you're going to be. You can be whatever you choose to be. I love that. Okay, so walk me through the writing process. I know you mentioned earlier that podcasting is part of your journey of healing. And then also writing was part of your uh, healing journey as well. So when you're writing the book, how much stuff is coming to the surface that you didn't even know was there? A lot. (laughs) So much is coming up. So much is coming out of me. I'm starting to cry when I don't know why I'm crying. Um, I'm starting to feel emotions that I didn't think that I had. Um, I'm starting to relive the trauma literally as I wrote. And it was tough. It was challenging, Um, but it it led me to where I am. And now I'm at peace. I have inner peace because Mm. of it. Now, we earlier talked about trauma and what the definition is there. I think we would be doing a disservice if we didn't say, what is peace? I'm not sure that they're exactly opposite of each other, but what is peace for those who may have never experienced it before? Peace is undescribable, (laughs) but I will do my best to describe it. Okay. Um, When I say I'm at peace, um, when things happen in life um, that may not go the way I expected it to go, it doesn't disturb me as much as it used to. Mm. So for example, um, if I lose a job or if someone loses a job or if someone passes away, I'm not hysterical the way I used to. Um, I used to be on 10 different psych medications from PTSD and child trauma, anxiety, and depression. I no longer need that anymore. Mm. I only meditate, use plant medicine, and focus on just being who I am and being and being free. And to me, that's what peace is. I love that. When you are uh, working with people one-on-one, Uh, as a life coach or going through different sessions with them. What is that process? How do people uh, first get in contact with you? And then what what happens after that? So you can go to my website, which is survivornotbychance.com. And um, you can book a session. You can send me an email. Um, I have most of my clients are referral based. (laughs) Um, So I get a lot of referrals across the country for everything that I do. Um, and it's just because every time someone has a session with me, they feel peace after that session. And so they have to share it with their friends and family. So let's talk about that as a, a business concept. For those who are not working on referrals, how much easier or how much more simple is it to have a referral walk through the door as opposed to someone that's more of a cold uh, entry into your world? I get referrals all the time. So as soon as someone finds a a session, they automatically get on the phone and start telling their friends. Um, From one referral, I have whole families I do sessions with. Um, From one referral, I have whole families across the country that refer me to from one friend to another friend to another business to another business. And it's just like, it just keeps going and going and going. I love that. You know, something that is touching my spirit during this conversation 
and and the, the name of the podcast is Survivor uh, Not By Chance. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. Did you know that you were, are there some people out there who don't even know that they survived something? Yes. That's why I named my company Survivor Not By Chance. Um, I was on Instagram and I said, what can I change my Instagram name to? This was like in 2000. 13 or 14 before I even knew. And I was like, you know what? I survived not by chance. I survived because I fought to survive. Mm. And so I named my Instagram um, survivor not by chance. And so if you get in a car accident and you live that from that car accident, you you're alive and it could have been like a uh, fatal, you're a survivor. You know, we survive so many things from so many different aspects of life. It's just do you know if you're a survivor? Mm, I love that. You know, I was uh, on social media a few weeks ago. There's a professor um, giving a speech and she was talking about um, how uh, those who were enslaved after they came out of slavery, they never received any type of therapy. There's never been any type of diagnosis of what that really caused. They just went out into the world. And uh, it really left me thinking, like, um, how much of what happens then is still going through our veins and we keep passing down from generation to generation? Um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts uh, pertaining to that, that topic? There is something called generational trauma. Um, there are a lot of uh, doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists that have done studies on it. And that's the reason why they created the ACE um, study. Hmm. Um, to evaluate the different traumas and different demographics to determine um, their outcomes, basically. Um, so they took like they took uh, different people from different demographics, from different um, economical um, backgrounds as well. And with that study, they were able to determine as a result of what they experienced, that trauma was passed down to them. And most people in their uh, family family line have those same traits. And so um, in regards to um, generational trauma, what happens is if you are living in a household with a family and your family has never received counseling, they look at counseling as uh, for pe people who are crazy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because that's how I grew up. I was told, oh, you only go to counseling if something's wrong with you, right. not uh, to just have healthy coping mechanisms to get out whatever you need to get out get out anger to get out sadness to get out grief just to vent and if you think about it when someone's going through something and they're called their friend and they talk about it they feel a lot better because they've lifted that load mm -hmm. and so in regards to generational trauma with us in regards to the black community we've experienced so much generational trauma because like you said from our indigenous cultures when they were, you know, uh, here before we got here, wherever they were in whatever continent, they didn't have to worry about someone trying to kill them or murder them because of um, what they had. And so we, when we did, when some of us did get here, I'll say some of us, because we really don't know what our indigenous backgrounds are. Um, <laughs> so when, when some of us, our generational family were out of slavery, they just were told to just, you're free. 
right. and that's it. And you have to make it on your own. Now, what happens is we also have trauma that's passed on from generation to generation after slavery. Okay. Mm-hmm. We don't yep. talk about the trauma from the, the 1960 riots. We don't talk about the trauma from different administrations uh, with um, imprison, imprisoning and incarcerating our black men and our, our black women, uh, killing our black women on the street. That is trauma. Mm-hmm. And so when we watch on the news, someone, another black person was hung or another black person was killed or murdered because of just being themselves that's trauma that we're living now. And most of us are not seeking any type of spiritual guidance, any type of um, counseling or therapy to help deal with the trauma from then to now. So if you think about it, if you have a child that's in a home and every day they're spoken to in a negative manner, every day, you're good for nothing. You're not going to be nothing. Nothing is going to work for you in your life. You're good for nothing, just like your father. You're good for nothing, just like your mother you're putting trauma in that child. Mm. Now, when that child grows up and they have another child, they're doing the same thing to that child and then vice versa and on and on and on until someone says, stop. I will no longer allow this generational trauma to go to my children. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to be kind to my children. I'm going to love my children. I'm going to show them I love them. I'm going to tell them I love them. I'm going to give them hugs. That's how you start with stopping generational trauma. I love that. Okay, so I want to uh, dive into some topics that are currently uh, circulating um, the news feeds of the (laughs) world, right? Okay, so... When, when we're talking about surviving not by chance, I'm looking at a situation where uh, we just left one administration, being the Trump administration, <laughs> into another administration, being the Biden administration, for those who need context. <laughs> and um, I'm wondering, from your point of view, how do we survive the political climate that consistently seems to marginalize black people and basically make at least from my perspective a lot of times it feels like we don't necessarily get a a full voice i know they say you get a voice through your vote and you know we can discuss that but i'm I'm curious (laughs) of what your thoughts are um about how that's impacting us as a as a uh people so i have a completely different view than most people Sure. Um, I do not believe that we will be able to get what we deserve under the government. Gotcha. Um, I believe we need to start forming our own nations of, of indigenous cultures where we're working on building land, uh, not building, yeah, buying land and building up on that land and mm-hmm. starting our own communities and govern ourselves. Because at that point, we can determine who we are as a culture, number one, because we cannot go to a government that has the constitution that still states we're pri- property. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so we're still considered property in the constitution. Why would they want to give us any type of reparation? Well, we're, we're property, you know, according to their constitution. Mm-hmm. So we're governing ourselves the way they did um, early on, you know, when 
they had the ability to to build their communities and they were thriving. They had millionaires, you know, like Madam C.J. Walker, Mm -hmm. where she was building her own businesses. You know, we have to get back to getting to our own indigenous cultures, as well as our own businesses and communities have schools where we're teaching our children about who we were and who we are, who our ancestors are, what they did, how great they were, so that our children can know how great they're going to be when they become an adult. I love that. Um, I, my only thing with that plan is it hinges on land. And I'm wondering where would that land come from on a mass scale? So um, there's land everywhere. <laughs> right, right. It's just, we just have to use our business skills and be strategic in purchasing the land in different atmospheres and different parts of the the country um Mm -hmm. say for example all of the black millionaires we have Mm -hmm. the billionaires and we put our money together we have enough purchasing power we will have more than enough purchasing power to purchase the land that we need but we have to do it together we have to learn how to be a community first if you think about it most immigrants that come to this country majority of them live in one house Mm-hmm. And that one house they live in, it may be 10 people and they all work together. They all share, they all do what they need to do to get into the end goal. And then before you realize it, one by one, they're moving out individually, purchasing their own homes, purchasing their property, having their businesses flourishing and, and thriving. But we need to learn to be united. Once we learn how to unite, it'll be a lot easier for us to purchase. Mm. Does it concern you that you, that you may be purchasing land uh, underneath a government that still sees us as property? Is there any conflict there? Well, if you build it as a nation, okay. as an indigenous culture, um, that land belongs to you under indigenous nations. Um, so if you think about the Native Americans, they have certain <clears throat> land and reservations and things like that. Um, it's because they were able to um, like form treaties with the government. Now, if you're under an indigenous nation, you can form treaties with the government in different ways to say, this is our land. We're governing ourselves. You don't need to come in and worry about us and what we got going on. Cause we're going to take care of it. We're going to handle it in-house. No, that's that you're, you're right. So although we would break away from the government, we would technically still need the government to approve? To a certain extent, yes. To a certain extent, uh, okay. Because if you think about it, we can't just, we're, we don't want to break laws. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're still living in that country, you don't want to break the law. You don't want to go against the uh, the treaties of whatever they have in place, whatever their policies and contracts mm-hmm. are. We don't want to go against that because if we go against it, guess what? Now we're putting ourselves at risk. We're putting right. our communities at risk and now we're going to be a target. Right. So we don't okay. want to be a target. We just want to be with our own people where mm-hmm. we're literally back the way we used to be. Gotcha. Gotcha. It makes, makes perfect sense. Okay. So then something else that has come up in the news and i'd love to see if we can jump on this (laughs) sure so uh whoopi goldberg 
she said some comments about the Holocaust, um, about um, it really wasn't about race. It was about uh, white people versus white people. And so it's not quite um, based off of racism. She was then suspended for two weeks uh, by ABC, uh, which is owned by Disney, just as those who want context. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, what you what do you make out of <laughs> the whole situation? So this may get me in trouble with some people. <laughs> we'll try to dance but around. But I'm okay with up. that. Um, okay, let's get in trouble. I stand by what I believe in. Um, okay. I understand her point of view. Right. Um, I believe that it was primarily her viewpoint and that whatever her viewpoint is, it should just be, you know, mm-hmm. um, there are so many different cultures and races that say horrific things about black people who were born here in America, about African people, about people of color in general, mm-hmm. nothing happens to them. They have no consequence. And so that shows you part of what she was saying is true because her being a black woman in America, now she's penalized and has all these consequences as a result of making a statement about white people. Mm, Okay. So I'll give my take. Up until that moment where she was suspended uh, within the last few weeks of us recording, uh, I never saw Jewish people as a race. And so me being the kind of person I am, I said, well, let me, let me at least dig a little bit and see what I can find. I found all these clips where people who call themselves Jewish were saying, no, we are not a race. We're a religion. No, we're not a race. We're a religion. And I said, okay. And there was a few one-offs here and there where they did say they were a race, but for the most part, they were saying, no, we're not a race. And actually, and I, you know, the, the doors are open for anyone who wants to come on and dispute what <laughs> I'm about to say. From my understanding, the reason why they were against Hitler, this is this is me talking, this is DJ. <laughs> the reason why they were against Hitler is because Hitler said, you are a race, and they were saying, no, we're not, we're a religion. Why would you, you know, we're not a different race of people. Why are you doing this to us? is the way that I've interpreted so far and I I'm open to being corrected. And so for me, it's been a learning process because then because of all this information, I then went on uh, different platforms like clubhouse just to sit down and listen to different sides. And there was a room where uh, mainly Jewish people were trying to have black people come in. So then Jewish and black people could unite. So I'm sitting in the room and uh, this is my first time telling this story publicly. And I'm sitting in the room and uh, uh, they're saying, hey, you can be, uh, we can unite and we can work together. And then after, then I started seeing some Black people speaking. And it seemed like every time they spoke, they were being corrected about something. So there was one guy who was a Hebrew Israelite. And they said, oh, you know, you're not the real version of us you know, you're a Hebrew Israelite. And there was another person who spoke and he mentioned something that sounded like something Farrakhan would say. And then someone said, oh, you're taking on that Farrakhan uh, lingo. And then someone else spoke into something else. And so then it got to the point where I I had to raise my hand. I said, it doesn't really sound like you're trying to unite. I'm just going to be completely honest. 
from my vantage point, it sounds like you're trying to dictate. You're trying to, to tell us who we should be, how we should act, and uh, what we must conform to in order for us to be buddy-buddy. And I'm, from my vantage point, this doesn't seem to be uh, equal playing field. It seems very one-sided. Then, you know, the, the room goes up in an uproar. <laughs> they can't control it anymore. And I, I'm just curious of what, of course, you can't answer this. I'm just curious of what their agenda would be uh, to have us conform to them. It, it, I mean, I kind of can see what the agenda is because I feel like it's going on on a, on a, on a bigger scale where yes. we must play by someone else's rules in order for us to rise. Right. And I'm thinking that we can do it on our own. We don't need right. that. It's submission, basically. Mm. It's um, for us to submit and see their view and know that their view is the right way, period. And that's not concrete. They have no evidence behind it. But what they do is use manipulation and gaslighting techniques mm. to get us to agree to their terms and, and, and make kind of force a lot of us to believe that we're wrong where we're, we're actually right. Everyone has a perspective. Everyone's mm-hmm. perspective should be heard, but no one's perspective should be gaslit to uh, say, oh no, this is not technically the way it's supposed to be. So if you don't conform to our way, we're going to show you why you need to conform and force you into submission. Mm. Okay, so that leads me to my third news story. This <laughs> probably will be the last news story because right? we we get in, in uh, the hot seat here. So within a few weeks of us recording this today, uh, and it relates to the second topic, Joe Rogan is in the hot, he's in hot water. So within the last week or so, Joe Rogan, uh, there's a clip circulating across social media where he says the N-word 20-something times. And, um, you know, people are now, of course, a lot of Black content creators are boycotting, and there's music artists who are leaving Spotify, and uh, episodes are being taken down. I will put a little bit of context here because I know a lot of people do not want me to add this part, so I have to add this part. Two weeks prior... Uh, they were trying to get Joe Rogan's podcast down because he had a um, a doctor come on to his program and basically say, you know, you got to be very careful with these vaccines. And he actually was the founder of mRNA. For those who know what that means, it matters. Um, and so th- he comes on there and the next day they started putting out these petitions saying this is misinformation. Why are you putting this information out? And then magically a week later, there's all the single times that he's ever said the N word comes flying across social media. And of course, you know, black people have been through trauma, right? So they're going to look at that and say, well, we must take down Joe Rogan. They may not even know about agendas or whatever it may be. So I'm curious, you know, uh, what your thoughts are on the actual uh, event within itself with the N-word being broadcasted out. And then also the manipulation of the news and manipulation of powers that that be. So I think and I know that every person that has a racist ounce of bone or blood in their body, they're going to show it. 
Mm. They're going to show their true colors, whether it be recorded or not. And a lot of times they hide it with um, their money. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they hide it with being nice and say, hello, or I want to help you. Let me help build millions of musicians um, that are Black because they're bringing in a lot of money. So let me just be sweet and kind and nice and behind closed doors, I can be my true authentic self. Right. And so I'm glad that those uh, recordings are coming out because it's showing who people's true colors are. And that goes back to my point in regards to us building our own communities and having our own money in our own communities, because what we're doing is we're making other people billions of dollars. We're not bringing that into our culture and our communities. It's leaving us. And most of our people are suffering. And so I think that um, it's very important for videos like that to come out more. And it's going to be more of them because I already saw it. <laughs> it's going to be more of them coming out, showing who they truly are. I don't have a problem with any person from any race in any culture or any demographic any religion. I embrace every person of every demographic, every religion, every race. But my point is most white people do have some racist tendencies that are unconscious. Yeah. Okay. So that's the thing. A lot of them don't even realize they have racist tendencies because um, subconsciously they think that they are a good person and they could never be racist. I deal with it where I live in a small town and they uh, give donations to black, to black businesses because they want to feel like they're mm -hmm. a good person. Right. Um, I've met some white people who are authentic, who are just genuine and loving. I have, but majority in this country, unfortunately, they have racist tendencies and up sub unconsciously they're biased towards us and those biases come out and they're like true. And so, um, yeah, we sh absolutely should stay off of Spotify. We should absolutely stop giving our money and services to corporations that are basically living off of us. When we get a major label or a major, uh, we uh, a major app that is for musicians. I think what is it? Uh, the one Jay Z has um, time title. 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 Okay, uh, start investing and in putting your money into our businesses. You know, yeah. yes, we have flaws because we didn't have generations to teach us business skills and business etiquette. You know, we're just learning it. We're just like literally in that mass of learning what business is, how to operate businesses. So it's a learning curve for us. If we had four generations before us, taught us how to maintain a house, taught us how to maintain land, taught us how to build multi-billion dollar businesses, we would be good to go. So where does it start? Mm. It starts with us. I love that. I forgot the other question because it was I'm like it's so much. I want to make sure I'm hitting everything. No, no, I, I'll uh, follow up and and if you want to add on to it, go for sure. it. Um, so here's the thing that I think is a little bit hip, hypocritical of just society in general. So they want to get rid of Joe Rogan because he said the N word. <clears throat> 
mind you, when you actually listen to the clips, most of the times you said it, it wasn't like you're a or you're a N, you're a N. He was saying it in context that, oh, this comedian said the word. And so instead of putting the whole context there, they just threw in the end. All they did was just show him saying it over and over and over again. But most of them, to me, were, for lack of a better word, uh, legit. And when I say legit, I only mean in context. If you are speaking about someone else saying something, then that is um, contextually, you should be able to say, well, this person said such and such without having to face any consequences, in my opinion, due to free speech. Now, everybody else is allowed to do whatever they want. But here's where I believe the hip, where people are being hypocritical. Because Spotify pays the least amount uh, to artists out of any of the music uh, um, platforms. And on their platform, they have music artists, we can call them rappers or whatever it may be, who are killing ends and saying B words and uh, basically putting a lot of the trauma that is in our community back out into the world and and spewing that energy. But that's never a conversation of, well, we're going to take down all this music that is specifically targeted, not either through the music itself or through the branding and marketing to black people. It seems like it's only uh, if a white person were to mention it that we have an issue with it. But if a black person does it, it's free game. And what concerns me about that is, well, you could be a white record label, get a black person, sign them, have them say all kinds of stuff. But as long as they're black, it's good. But they could be working on behalf of somebody who isn't even from our community. Right. So those are just some of my concerns. So I think it is hypocritical. Uh, But I also think there's a trauma behind why our culture, Black people, don't want to hear a white person say the N-word because of how it was targeted towards us in a negative connotation. And then it also goes back to when we first started, you said he said the N-word. He could have said the N-word. He chose to say the full word because he knew the power it had in it. Mm-hmm. that's true and our words are power you know everything we say is a spell everything we speak out of our mouth it exists it happens um say for example if you say oh i want to get a mercedes a green mercedes before you know it you're seeing green mercedes all over the place like mm-hmm. people driving in green mercedes because you spoke the word right and so um it is derogatory um i i do believe that culturally some people believe saying the N-word as a Black person is because it was done to us so culturally we can say it. That's that justification. I don't justify it in any way. It's still hypocritical, like you said. Um, but I understand the underlying meaning behind why we are upset. We're triggered. Yeah. It is a trauma response, literally. If you see your, you know, I don't know if you all have even seen the horrific photos of a black person being lynched and burnt. And they're saying die and die. Right. That's trauma. 
And so every time a white person says that word, knowing there are consequences behind saying the word, they know it's consequences behind saying the word, but they believe their privilege is going to save them. Mm. Now, in regards to our communities, I believe that we should not use that in uh, songs uh, because you're depositing that into children. You're depositing that into adults. You're depositing that into any person who hears that music. I believe in affirming my people. And so when I speak, I speak life. I don't speak death over people. I speak to deposit, to fill their cup so that it's filled with love, filled with peace, filled with joy. We have so many different artists that are out there that are making great music. It's an artist, his name is Londrell, L-O-N-D-R-E-L-L-E. He's a phenomenal poet and he deposits, deposits into any person who listens to his music. And so that's what we need to get back to culturally. When we first started, when they first started rapping and, you know, doing poetry, they were talking about their experiences, but because of the generational trauma that has gone over and over and over again, most of the people who are in that limelight that have those platforms, their experiences are trauma based off of trauma, killing, seeing somebody die, drugs, you know, abusing women, um, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's trauma. And that goes back to their childhood. And that's why it's very important for people like myself and other organizations to get to the root cause of what's causing the problems in our society. Now, Asia, let me know, are you available for speaking gigs? If a yes. company wanted to hire you, they can reach yes. out to you, right? Yes. <laughs> awesome. I, I put on my website we, as well. <laughs> yes, I think you would be a really great speaker, uh, and especially on some of these panels. People need to hear from you. Thank you, you. You offer a different perspective, and I definitely appreciate that. If you could show us your book one more time. Sure. And let us know what it's called. The name of my book is called The Pressures of Becoming a Diamond. And basically I wrote about my high school experience living in foster care. Wow. Um, I was in foster care. My mom was addicted to drugs. Um, I was basically, according to society, destined to have eight kids, um, live off of the welfare system and be on section eight. Now, no dis service or dis no disrespect to any person who was on it, um, but that was my destiny. And that's what was told to me. Yeah. I chose not to live that destiny. So I chose to be a homeowner, even though I was homeless wow. my entire childhood. Wow. I didn't have a stable home until I was in ninth grade, eighth grade. Mm. And so, you know, we determine who we're going to be. We determine our destiny. And so it's very important for us to take control. As we said in the very beginning of this podcast, we can control our narratives if we want. You know, we can control how we want things to go. It's all about vibrational energy. Once you learn the science behind energy, it's justified in science with all different backgrounds, all different races, but our community just doesn't understand the spiritual realm of science. Once we understand the spiritual realm of science, we can control our narratives. 
I've spoken in five different countries. I've sold my book in over 10 different countries. Mm. I have over 21 reviews on Amazon and I have a 4.9 star on my book just because mm. I put my experience in it and people across the world can relate to those experiences. So primarily, I just wanted to show a little black girl from North New Jersey who was destined to be nothing is actually successful, thriving, and helping other people heal. As a result, I'm where I am today. My biological father raped my mother and made me. And as a result, I could have sat in that trauma and said, oh my God, you know, woe is me. You know, the world owes me. You know, everybody got to do things for me, 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 me. No, it's about community. It's about building. It's about helping each other learn who they are. Because at one point I didn't have a voice because I was into people pleasing. I was into trying to make sure I followed the book, uh, being a goody two shoes, as some people would say, um, just living up to what people thought that I should live up to. But I don't want to live up to those expectations. I want to be free and live up to what I was destined to be spiritually. I love it. Asia, Carol, thank you so much for joining us on Black Equity Podcast. This has been truly enlightening. And you too are depositing uh, that love, peace, prosperity into your people, into our people. And so I am uh, truly grateful that you're able to join us today. Any final thoughts before we head out today? Sure. First, I just want to say, DJ, thank you for allowing me to be here on this platform. Um, You have an amazing space and you're doing amazing things in our community to help grow and show, you know, who we are, (laughs) the greatness that we have inside of us. And so if any person is interested in a meditation class, I speak affirmations over my meditations. Um, I'd speak into each individual's life to bring life into them. Every person that's ever had any experience with me, whether it was life coaching or whether it was a reading, whether it was meditation or wreaking healing after their life changed, they became more prosperous. They've become more at peace. They become more of who they are. And so it's very important for you to reach out to resources. Um, if you're in a situation where you don't know which way to go, it's okay to go to counseling. It is okay to seek spiritual advice. It is okay for us to heal. And so if you're interested in healing, because that's what I do, and it's not going to be easy, (laughs) but you will be where you want to be in your life. And again, thank you so much for um, allowing me to be on this show. My website is survivornotbychance.com. My book, The Pressures of Becoming a Diamond, is available on Amazon. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. And we uh, have an open door policy. Whenever you want to come back, let us know. We'll let us speak with you. Thank you. The reason why I really enjoyed this conversation so much is because it wasn't for us, right? I, I tend, just to give everybody insight, and of course, true Black Equity listeners listen to the end, right? It's kind of like, I'm not a big fan of Marvel, but if you really rock with me, you stay to the end, <laughs> just in case you want to get 
just a tad bit more perspective, right? The reason why I love this conversation so much, it wasn't forced. Asia and I, it was organic. And typically what I do with a lot of episodes is I let the universe and the frequency reveal itself, right? I don't, you know, a lot of the things that we discussed today were things that were on my mind for many months, which is, you know, if you're in my brain, right, it's crazy, right? It's like, wow, I've been thinking about this for quite some time. But then you have to have the conversation with the right person. And Asia was the right person for the conversation. And so I encourage you, uh, check out her website, check out all the great work she's doing, go cop her book, and support the work that she's doing on her podcast. Because you need to know who the survivors are. That's who I want to sit next to, not the popular table. Oh, <laughs> I can't. Let me address this. The popular table looks cool, but I know how that story ends. I know how it ends. They want to be all in the mix, right? And then they lose their flavor, and then no one even knows who they are anymore because they stand on nothing. It's just popularity with no substance. But, man, when you sit next to that, sit sit with the warriors, the survivors, the thrivers, when you sit down with those people, that's the people that are eternal. They're going to, their substance is forever. And that's what you just did. On this episode, we sat down with a survivor. And she handed you her principles on surviving. Gave you perspective on what's going on in the world. And all I can do is say is thank you. And I'm truly grateful And let me tell you something, because I know a lot of people may have been listening to the beginning of this episode, right? What does it look like when your enemies come up against you and you rise to another level, right? Because a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm I'm on another level. I got me a bigger house. I got me a bigger yacht. I got my... That's not necessarily what a new level looks like. Because a lot of times people are trying to go to the top just so they can look down on other people. There is no top. But here's what, to me, a next level looks like. Peace. Peace just because. You know what a next level looks like? Being able to have control over your mood. Because if you can... If you can control your mood, you're unstoppable. And so I thank everyone who listened today and has been longtime supporters of us. What I really love about our tribe is many people are not looking to necessarily be out in the front, but they do respect the fact that we do deserve a voice. Right. And so we need to tell that story And make sure people know that we're out here. But we don't really care about being on the cover of this or on the cover of that. If those things come, wonderful. 
And for the right people who have treated us correctly, we share that on our Instagram, on LinkedIn, and we say, yo, congratulations. But they're doing it the right way. So there's nothing to be upset about. But when you're trying to force yourself onto things and make everybody see what you did, that's not for the people. (laughs) That's not for the people at all. And me, my friends, here's what I'll say. My first name is Derek. I want you to go into Google and type in Derek and then put the word meaning. And what you'll find is gifted ruler or ruler of the people or the ruler for the people, right? We are nothing without the people that are around us. Now, it doesn't mean that you do exactly what the crowd tells you to do. But you think about the best interests of the people. And what I have found are there are some people out here who are thinking in the best interests of themselves They don't care anything about the people. They want to know what the bottom line is, how much money they can make off of it. And they will force themselves all over the culture and shit everywhere they go and take no responsibility for the shit that they left behind. And that, my friends, is not a survivor. (laughs) That, my friends, is a manipulator. And so I am looking forward, not backward, to the level of peace, understanding, being able to control your mood, and the the level of abundance that is now here at Black Equity. And also, we have a, a whole great season coming on How to Acquire Podcast which I'm also the host of. If you are interested in meeting the different investors and and asset classes, you want to go subscribe to How to Acquire Podcast. Once again, we're not all in the mix. You're not going to find us on some stages and, and broadcasting how wonderful we are. But we are going to get you access to the different asset classes you need to go to another level. And I thank you all for entrusting me to tell my perspective of the story of what's really going on out here. Someone has to tell this side of the perspective. This is my truth, the way that I see it. And there's been so many different people who have tried to dictate how I see things. People trying to buy me with imaginary money. People trying to dictate what my voice is and what I say and do not say. I had no idea by starting a podcast a few years ago that it would lead to this. I've grown as a human being. I've grown as a man. I've grown as a podcaster. I've grown as a business person. I've grown as an investor. Each week, you're seeing my growth. Even if I don't necessarily say a lot, I'm growing. I'm expanding. And I thank you for following the journey. 
If you're interested in being on Black Equity Podcast, send us a message. You can find us on Instagram at Black Equity Network. You can send us an email at uh, blackequitynetwork at gmail.com. This is the real heart of what we do, is how do we connect people? How do we get to know each other? I had somebody one time come up and offer me uh, this, I guess to them was this amazing opportunity about being able to sell ad space and um, being able to hit so many different markets and, you know, um, you know, have fans all over the world and all this other stuff. But the way it was set up, I wouldn't actually know any of the people that I was interacting with, right? It would be set up where my content would go all these different places, but I wouldn't even have any true interaction with those people. So the numbers sound good, but I would lose control because, you know, we've, we've learned on this podcast, own nothing, control everything. I would lose control of who has my content and where does it go and how do they access me and and so for me, it's like, no, I'd rather know my people. I'd rather know my people. But hey, I'm just a guy behind the mic telling my perspective. The great part is you can pull up your mic and many people after they come on our podcast do. You can start your own podcast and you can tell your perspective your way. But what y'all not going to do is get in the way of my principles of survival, my principles of thriving, my principles of wisdom. I'm on my journey, and I don't need anyone's approval to be on it. So if you stayed to the end and you heard all of this, thank you. Until next time, my friends, I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network. Thank you for listening to Black Equity Podcast.